Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name's Ben, and today I have a very special guest joining me on Zoom from New Brunswick. David Hayward is the Naked Pastor. And uh, David, I just want to welcome you on the show and thank you so much for so generously giving of your time. I'm going to read just a, a little blurb from your website. It says, after 30 years in the church, he left the ministry to pursue his passion for art. Naked Pastor uses words and images to challenge the status quo, deconstruct dogma, and offer hope to those who struggle and suffer under it. David, welcome on the show today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And hi, everybody. I guess my my first question, David, is, and this is probably going to end up being a deeper question than it might look on the surface, but why Naked Pastor? Where where does that name come from for you? You know, whenever anybody introduces, and, and he's known as the Naked Pastor, I still laugh because, you know, even though I've been using the name for since 2005, I mean, that's, you know, 15, 16 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, it still still makes me laugh and smile and feel uncomfortable and everything. So um, I actually bought the name um, nakedpastor.com in 2005 because uh, I was a pastor of a local church at the time. And um, I wanted, I, I had been blogging and I just wanted to be very real and open and honest about the life of a pastor. There's tons of bloggers out there at the time, tons of past, pastor bloggers. And, um, but I wanted to do something very unique and I wanted people to see behind the curtain what really goes on in the life of a pastor. So <laughs> it was just going to be me being as honest and real and raw and unadorned. So naked, that's what that all means. It's just me being real and honest and letting people see behind the curtain of ministry and pastoral ministry in the church. You know, it's not all victories and success and big offerings and, love and and kumbaya and everything there's a lot of conflict and struggle and financial difficulties and you know so i wanted and and doubts and fears and, well, and, so and you're people. surprise surprise you're a human being right <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like so, I, I think we do kind of hold uh there's certain uh roles in society and and a priest or a minister or pastor is is one of those where we're kind of expecting those folks to be bigger than life, to be bigger right. than just human, to not have the same doubts right. or insecurities or fears or struggles that the rest of us uh, lay people have, right? Yeah, the rest of us. Well, there, it's kind of like leads to a different concept of ministry, for example. One would be, and I, I've been told this, like blatantly, bluntly told to that I needed to be a role model. Uh, of of uh, having my life together and spiritual maturity and ministerial success and pastoral bliss and you know I had I had to show that my life was together so people could aspire to that kind of life. Instead, I chose a different model, um, and I think Henry Nouwen uh, labeled it best: the wounded healer. Um, that I I walk alongside people and we. Um, grow together and mm -hmm. I do what I can to support you and you do what you can to support me and together um, we we grow along the same path so right. that's the model I chose and 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 because of that it, I think that requires um, vulnerability and so that's what I wanted to show well I love that model and and I I think it's um, it's got a lot of uh, advantages and strengths over this other model that we see uh, in ministry sometimes with the the prosperity gospel of, you know, if, if I'm doing so well as your spiritual leader, then you might do well too. So you should donate all this money so I can have a personal jet and, <laughs> right? like Well, it, it is a, an intentional model. It, it really yeah, is. I know this sure. because I was there I've, and I've seen behind the curtain. It's an actual intentional model that the leadership models success in every way. And um, it's meant to inspire uh, the congregation to aspire to that kind of right. life. Yeah. It, it's quite ironic when we're, uh, this is, we're talking about, you know, uh, Christianity, where the basis of that, this faith model is the life of Jesus, who was right. not that type of leader at all. He right. was the, you know, get, get dirty in the mud and, 
and be vulnerable and and be broken with with others right not yeah. like, you know look at how clean and perfect i am yeah well i mean that's right uh i i think the stories of jesus reveal a, a man who um r- truly entered into normal life and i don't think there were very many people around him saying oh i want to be like jesus um, I, I don't think that was the dynamic happening at that time. Now it's become a dynamic, but I don't think it has roots in the actual life of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So, in in uh, following your work a little bit and and reading up on your website, it sounds like you have um, influences in your personal uh, spiritual journey from many different religious traditions, and you've uh, you've been trained. Uh, as a pastor, you've been through uh, theological theological college and have a degree and all of that. But right. I, I'd love to hear, and you told it really well on your website, which is nakedpastorstore.com, if anyone would like to check that out uh, and also follow you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd love to hear in this conversation from you, your story. The, the Six Ways from Sunday podcast is really just a series of real human spiritual stories. And yours sounds really interesting. So how mm-hmm. did you kind of um, journey through the the church system and then have that that falling out. If you could share right. some of that with us, yeah. So I I've felt for a long time that everyone was deeply united at a deep and fundamental level, even though we're all divided into different camps and tribes or denominations or religions or whatever. Uh, I felt though that a deep and fundamental we're connected somehow. That there's a deep unity going on, and then. You know what? Every once in a while, I would catch glimpses of that. In you know, if I was meditating or contemplating or reading, um, or meeting people from different traditions or religions or spiritualities, um, and then you know, I, I saw these kinds of um, clues in the Bible as where, for example, where in Him we live and move and have our being, or God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to Himself, or all things are in Him. You know, you know this kind of this kind of thing. So, and, um, and, and, you know, and then I, I started uh, exploring, I came along this idea that truth is truth, no matter where it's found, or where it comes from. And um, so I, you know, I, I'd have this struggle. If, if, if God is a God of love, for example, and, you know, this is where I was at that time. And, you know, how can, how can God just say, okay, you have to be a born again believer, and then everybody else goes to hell, you know, <laughs> which you know, is an astronomical figure of people. I I couldn't I couldn't compute that in an with along with, uh, with the idea of compassion, love, and grace, and so on. And and so I I just started doing the hard work of meditating and contemplating and journaling about this stuff and reading and you know to to find what was true. And eventually, you know took me a long time, even decades, but in 2009, it just kind of all, all of a sudden crystallized for me in this kind of epiphany where I, I knew at a deep and fundamental level, it dawned on me that we are indeed one. There's one reality and we all share it, but we interpret it through our different paradigms, worldviews, theologies, philosophies, religion, experiences, conditioning, whatever. And then we all have our own language that we use to explain it. So it's, it's you know, that when I, when I saw this, this peace of mind came upon me that was never, never left. And it's just very significant that I, I had this sort of insight um, that, that we're all deeply united. And so mm. that's why I read and have read you know, in Judaism and Islam and Buddhism and quantum physics and <laughs> philosophy and mystical theology and um, so on. Because when you get into that realm or whatever, they're all kind of speaking the same language of there's a, a deeper unity that we can't perceive, but that is nevertheless there. And so I, I believe that. So there was yeah. sort of a, a dismantling of, I think you you like the word, uh, as deconstruction of your right. worldview that you had held uh, up until sort of that epiphany that you're talking about. Tell me, what, what does deconstruction mean to you? And is it, uh, is it something to be feared? Is it uh, sort of a health, can it be a healthy process? And what was, what was that process for you? 
Yeah, so deconstruction is a word I, I, I actually borrowed from philosophy, um, but it, it seemed to uh, capture in a word the dynamic of us starting to question our beliefs and when our beliefs that we've held for so long start to crumble or erode. And uh, it, it's, for me, what I noticed in my own personal growth was uh, most of it was it wasn't acquiring new ideas. It was uh, letting old ideas get out of the way. Sure. It's kind of like growing a garden. Most of the work is clearing out stones, clearing out weeds, tilling up the soil. It's all prep. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the simplest part is planting the seed in the ground, covering it over. The ton of work goes into beforehand preparing the soil. And then you have to continue the work of trying to keep the weeds out and keeping the, you know, uh, animals out and, and the birds, and, you know, protecting it and everything. The, the growth itself is very organic and natural and spontaneous and simple. So that to me describes deconstruction in the spiritual world where we're a lot of the work is getting rid of blocks and obstacles getting and stuff out of the way yeah that's right getting stuff out of the way and letting yourself grow naturally and organically um and i've seen it over and over again so that's what i call deconstruction and and you know what it is it can be a scary process because letting go of some beliefs that we've treasured is a very scary thing especially if there's the idea that god's going to punish you if you change oh. your mind yeah. Um, well, and, and also, uh, yeah. you know, your your family and your society. That's your right. Church family. We're, yeah. we're all embedded in these networks, uh, social right. networks. Um, yeah. And and it's it can be a scary thing to question what's been handed down to you from right. either your spiritual teachers or from your, the previous generation in your family. I, I've definitely had that experience where growing up in the church myself, um, I kind of just believed everything as a, as a child. And then church kind of got boring for me and I didn't want to go anymore, um, right. but I still believed. Right. And then I went, definitely went through a period of just doubting everything and feeling like, well, I, uh, it's sort of like you, that this idea that people who have are, are correct in their beliefs get to go to heaven and everyone else is going to be punished in hell. Just yeah. wrap my mind around it. There was this cognitive dissonance that this, none of this makes logical sense. And then I went off to university. I was studying engineering at the time, and I was very focused on science and things that were practical and empirical, right. had empirical evidence. And I, th yeah. I just thought, I, I can't make sense of what the Bible is telling me to be true about the creation story or about right. uh, the origin of the universe and quantum physics and all of that. Yes. And so I, my, my faith journey was kind of this oscillating uh, all over the place, uh, wavy line. Uh, mm -hmm. definitely not a straight path and right. I kind of felt like there was something wrong with that 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 wasn't how it should be but mm -hmm. um, of course you know fast forward 20 more years and getting to know a lot of other people who have that yeah. wobbly scattered uh, journey as well um, right. starts to finally I, I have started to finally accept that you know I think I, I think that that's a healthier way to find your, your, your spiritual truths and your beliefs is to right. question and, and doubt and explore. Um, but it, it is, uh, it is a hard thing to accept that it's okay to do that. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, because when you've been conditioned to believe a certain way and not only do you have to deal with your own mind, you have to deal with everybody else's uh, around you that ex has expectations upon you. And, um, you know, there, there's the fear of disappointing people and scaring people and, uh, you know, upsetting people and alarming people. Um, but, yeah, I, I've done many cartoons along this line where um, people are judging a person for leaving the church, for example, or, or changing their beliefs and, and saying they're backsliding or whatever. But the person is saying, I'm actually growing. This is growth. And this is what it looks like for me. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's a very personal thing and it, it is very scary to sort of get off of the beaten path that has all mm -hmm. the road signs and all the pit stops and all the mileage and all the speed bumps and everything. And, and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, um, blaze your own trail. It's very scary. Yeah. 
So yeah. we, we were talking about the influence of having others' expectations and being a part of a family and a community. For you, when you had this deconstruction um, journey or experience, you were also a, a, a spiritual leader. You weren't, you know, just part of a church. You were the pastor of this church. That's right. I'm really curious what that, um, what the impact was like um, on your congregation. What the impact right. was on you of having the expectations of a congregation? How did how did all of that play out? Yeah, so um, you know the the fact that I was the naked pastor, being vulnerable, that wasn't a brand new idea for me. It was all it's always been my style. I've never been a sort of top down kind of leader, uh, autocrat, um, or anything like that. I've I've always been on, on the tried to be on the same level with uh, the people and. Even though I was uh, up their pastor, I I tried very much to be like um, a shepherd uh, that you see in the wilderness, just sort of meandering along with the sheep. And you know, uh, I, I I don't really like the metaphor of sheep in many ways because it implies stupid followers, and uh, that's not what I mean at all. I, I what I mean is that uh, just a very calm. Uh, moving along together on the path. Um, so uh, I went into the ministry, actually, my deconstruction had started when I graduated from seminary. And okay. um, so I was basically, my, my deconstruction was like a slow glacial melt. It just took <laughs> so many years. I compare it to uh, a, a virus was inserted into my computer code and it just started um degrading my code and dismantling my code but it took a long 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 time and uh so you know i was always pretty honest well no i was always honest and open and transparent and uh you know it wasn't like i one day was a believer and one day i wasn't or anything like that it was just a very slow and so i sort of just was very autobiographical kind of in my in my style of ministry and preaching and a lot of people felt validated in their own doubts and questions and their own journeys and which is what I try to do to this day uh, on my on my blog and on my you know social media is I'm just very honest hopefully that validates other people in feeling about you know feeling that their own journeys are um, you know good yeah, worthy well, okay there's no doubt that uh, that a lot of people are resonating with um with the way you're communicating your ideas through your through your art, right? Like your, your artistic expression is vulnerable. It's authentic. It's direct. Right. Uh, what so what drew you to drawing and artwork as a form of spiritual expression and ministry? Mm -hmm. So I've always been an artist as far back as I can remember. I remember my dad painting and everything, and so I've I've always drawn, always painted, and. You know, I, I was showing my work in galleries, like watercolor paintings and all that for while I was a pastor. Um, but then one day it was in like in 2005 or something. I, I love a good cartoon, um, especially when it's in one frame, kind of like New Yorker style cartoon. And um, I, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try drawing a cartoon every day until I run out of ideas. I thought I'd, sure. I'd have a month, maybe at the most. and um, here I am 16 years later, still drawing cartoons. And what was really cool was that, um, you know, I could write a, a thousand word blog post and some people might read it. They might read the whole thing. Some people might read a part. Some might read the first one or two sentences, disagree or get bored and move on. But with a cartoon in one frame, it's like in a split second, people see it, it's done. You, you know, it's too late. Uh, you've right. already seen the cartoon, and um, I just love head, the <laughs> power and the directness and the speed um, that the car a cartoon can communicate. That's really so, cool. Well, especially yeah. we're we're in such a short attention span uh, information economy uh, today, but podcasting yeah. is kind of runs contrary to that because uh, you know in a, in a world where we're we're told that you have the first 10 seconds of a video, for example, or of a blog, you have that first hook line to grab someone's attention mm -hmm. um, because otherwise they're, they're not going to stick around. But then people will listen to a three and a half hour long podcast. That's right. right. If the content is interesting enough, 
for them, mm. for that listener. Right. And it's not for everybody, but right. we, we get into these niches right, of interest groups, right? So if you find your tribe or you find your, your topic or your, your podcast that you really love, then all of a sudden an hour is, is not an obstacle at all. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, the political cartoons, the, the, those one frame cartoons or cartoon strips at the back of the newspaper, they've it's age old, right? It, that idea of, of communicating a whole idea in, mm. one, in one scene, one static scene. That's, that's what I try to do. Yeah. It's got to be really um, challenging. Yeah. And, and I also write. So like, for example, on Instagram, um, I'll post my cartoon, but I'll also write a caption for it. Um, and I think with Instagram, you're allowed 300 words for a post. And so I, I write a 300 word post or they're close to it and just try to talk about stuff um, in an honest and vulnerable way. And people, people are reading it. And so and I, I have nine books out so far. Um, and so writing is, another part of the thing I do I've been asked to get into podcasting but you know I've just got so many things on the go but the, the thing about podcasting is you can be driving and listening to a podcast you can't look at cartoons and do a po- and drive you know right <laughs> you or you shouldn't <laughs> so um yeah it's it's like people listening to audiobooks or podcasts or or music or whatever it's something you can do as well as something else whereas um for the cartoons you, you got to look at it and that's, that's why I, um, you know, we've heard out there that blogging is decreasing because of your right attention span. I mean, I do some ads, Facebook ads, and you've got three or four seconds of a video now these days. You've got three or four seconds. Um, and if you get people for that long, that, that's really good. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a challenge out there. So that's why, that's why I like the one-frame cartoon that, or a painting that just right. acts a punch in, in one split second. So David, t- take me back to, um, I don't know if there was a, a moment that you can remember where you decided that you were going to build that into something as, as a social media presence and as something that like you, you've branded yourself, you have a website, you, you sell product, you sell coffee mugs with your cartoons on, right. on your store, which people should go and check out. There's some really, really funny ones. I, I love the, <laughs> The one that I just was pulling up to show someone yet yesterday. Um, what's your spiritual gift? Swearing. <laughs> like I, I love the the humor. The messages are great. Um, you you tackle some. Uh, I mean that that's a great example of something that's just light and fun and and funny. But you also yeah. tackle some really difficult topics. Um, right. You know, like discrimination and racism and a long list of of things that are that are really difficult in a frame that's really hard to do but was there a point where you decided that you know what people seem to like these and i'm going to start you know putting it out there to the world in a bigger way and and marketing yourself yeah that um i don't know if it ever um it sort of grew like i i've been doing naked pastor blog since 2005 i've uh you know once in a while somebody say oh i love that cartoon was it for sale and then i I might sell it or whatever meanwhile i was pastoring and i had a paycheck um and then when i i left the ministry in 2010 um i went and taught at a local university here in saint john for a couple of years uh and then when um the student I was teaching English to international students. And when the Saudi population suddenly went down, I, I with a bunch of other teachers, were, was laid off. And I thought, now what am I going to do? And I thought, well, here, I'm selling some cartoons. I'm selling some of my art. I started an online community called The Lasting Supper. Um, I wrote a book or two. You know, maybe I should just try and see if I can make a go of this. Uh, it was kind of an urgency, right? I didn't have a job. Um, I was making a little bit of income, but I thought I'm just going to be more intentional about it. And, um, that's when I really tried to make a go of it and organize things into a store and get things up for sale, like my books and start providing courses and and things like this online. And you know what? I'm just very thankful for everybody out there who supports Naked Pastor because, uh, that's what I do full time now. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool success story. And yeah. the, I think the success speaks to the meaningfulness of the work you're doing and the value that people are getting from it in their own spiritual 
quest and and uh, right. searching right. and um, and yeah. So I'd love to 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 now talk a little bit about some of the messaging and some of the meaning okay. that's in some of your artwork. I I'm sure mm -hmm. you probably have a few favorites. Uh, I'm scrolling on your your Facebook page right now, and there's there's lots that I just I chuckle and and just love the the cleverness. Um, do you have a, a favorite image or two that you'd like to to talk about or? Yeah, so there there are popular ones. Um, so, for example, uh, I think my eraser cartoon might be one of the most popular. Um, and that's where a bunch of um, people have some fat pencils and they're drawing lines on the ground. And then meanwhile, there's a picture of Jesus with his fat pencil, but it's upside down and he's erasing the lines. And everybody's ticked off at him because he's erasing the lines of trying to draw. So basically that's the message I was trying to uh, point to the dilemma that we have where people are constantly drawing lines, separating ourselves from one another and dividing ourselves up. And um, I think the message of uh, Jesus, let's say, or Paul is um, that there's no longer a dividing wall between us. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's that was the, the message of the gospel. So that's one of my most popular cartoons. Um, and then, you know, that one's cute, funny, but also has, you know, a deeper meaning to it. And then like the one you mentioned, um, what's your spiritual gift? And she says swearing, um, because that's one of the things I notice with a lot of people who are deconstructing, let's say, or they're questioning their beliefs or um, wondering about their relationship to the church. Uh, one of the things I notice is a lot of them feel freed to talk the way they want to, because in religious culture, um, you know, you're you're basically told how to speak, how to how to live, who you can have as friends, you know, what you do before you eat, um, who you can marry, you know, what kind of friends you can have, what kind of job you should have, what how you should pray, you know, everything's. Um, you're told everything, how to do everything. Um, and I notice a lot of people, one of the way they exercise, one of the ways they exercise their freedom is by taking up swearing. <laughs> As a spiritual <laughs> practice. Yeah, even in private. So, you know, that 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 cartoon might not be on a T-shirt. You might not see that on a T-shirt, but a lot of people love it on their coffee mug all by themselves first thing in the morning in the privacy of their home. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Then there's another cartoon that's pretty popular, um, and that one's called Overturning, and it's just looks like an action, um, almost like the Matrix, where Jesus has his arms outstretched and his hair is flying, and tables and coins are flying everywhere, and um, it's just a, a picture, a, a dynamic kind of dramatic line drawing of Jesus overturning the tables um, in the temple. So cartoons like that, you know, people love them and re really resonate with them and they like the message that they communicate. And, uh, you know, some of them want them on T-shirts or on their mug or on a print and or some want to buy the original drawing, you know, so. That's really it's cool. cool. Yeah. What, what kind of feedback, David, do you get from your community that you're, you're obviously building, a, you know, a fan base, a following? You have... 35,000 or some followers on Facebook, which is incredible. What, uh, what kind of feedback do you get that, that kind of informs your process or, or validates that? Yeah, this is, this is worth doing. This is really adding value for, for people. It's funny. I get, I get anything from complete, you know, vitriolic hatred to, you know, people just love what I do. So, and everything in between. Um, some people are just baffled, don't understand what I'm doing. Um, and other, uh, other people really resonate. So um, I just keep my head down and keep doing the work. I mean, I, get, I, I, I hear from people every day that are saying, oh my goodness, like, thank you so much. I feel understood. I feel seen. I feel like um, my journey is okay, that I'm okay. I'm not going to hell. God doesn't hate me. Um, and they just feel really validated and heard and encouraged and edified in their, in their own spiritual journeys. Because that's one of the things I talk about is personal freedom. 
and that we're free to be spiritually independent, um, self-determining, autonomous. We're the captains of our own ship and the masters of our own destiny. And um, people love being able to assume that responsibility for their own spiritual health. And uh, so that keeps me going when I hear from people every day um, that uh, I'm, I'm encouraging them. And, and you know, I, I do get naysayers and I get hate mail and, you know, um, they hurt sometimes and they scare me sometimes too. There's some real, you know, freaky people out there. <laughs> Is it difficult and, uh, to, um, to just let that stuff go and not pay it any mind? Yeah, you got to let it go. I mean, um, sometimes I make a little meme out of it, you know, and uh, get a laugh out of it. Uh, I put it on a nice, pretty little painting. Somebody <laughs> saying, this is the most heretical garbage I've ever seen in my whole life, Dan. And I'll, and I'll put it up on, a, on, I'll put it up on Facebook and everybody gets a laugh out of it. And so I, I do what I can to survive. Right. I mean, uh, I've, I've got a thick, thicker skin than I did years ago. Sure. And I do let, I do let the stuff ricochet off or like a water off a duck's back. Um, because I am seeing that I'm doing some good things for people. I'm serving people in a good way that makes me happy, makes them happy. And so I'm going to keep doing it, even though I do get all that heat mail. Yeah. Well, what a, what a worthwhile cause that's, you know, like talk about finding something that's bigger than your own self to live yeah. for as a, as, as a purpose Yeah. Um, to, to have uh, a, like a, such a deep impact on people's, on such a important part of people's life, like people's spiritual part of their life is that's that's everything right that's it, right. That affects everything about your life and that's it's right. who we are if, if we believe that 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 is the eternal piece of you that lives on forever mm -hmm. then what could be more important than impacting someone at a spiritual level and and mm. uh and to be able to do that through a frame that's just so cool i love it yeah uh, so you're you said that you've also authored uh nine i think you said books that's a very different medium uh, and format where you've got hundreds of pages to communicate ideas. T tell me about some of your work, uh, your written work in, in book format. Yeah. So um, my, my books are, uh, I, I write every day, right? Like for my blog and, and stuff. And so a lot of my books are where I've taken. So for example, my latest book, Till Doubt Do Us Part, When Changing Beliefs Change Your Marriage. I decided, um, uh, this is how it went. I thought one day I should write a book about this because um, my wife and I went through that where our beliefs were changing and it really had a really powerful effect on our marriage. Because when you do change your beliefs, it does change your marriage. Like Lisa and I, we met in Bible college and got married, went to seminary, you know, served in the church as, in ministry for all those three years. and. Um, uh, so it really had a powerful impact on our lives. So I thought I'm going to need to write a book about this to help people who are going through this. Cause I see it, see it all the time where people's beliefs are changing and their marriages blow up. And so I just started writing about it in blog posts and doing cartoons to illustrate the, the concepts I was writing about. And um, when I had, you know, 120 pages, I made a book. So that's, you know, and, and I put the cartoons in and took a lot of editing and adding to it and taking away from it to make it a readable book with a sense of progression. But um, yeah, so now that, that made a book. Now there's Till Doubt to Us Part. And you can find all my books on Amazon, by the way. Uh, another book, I was asked by a publisher if I could write a book for them. And um, so I sat down and actually wrote a book, uh, which was difficult. But uh, I did it called Questions Are the Answer. And um, so I, that's where I explore the value of questioning your beliefs in order to find the answer, which is your peace of mind, which is what we all want. And, and so I, I talked. It's kind of a memoirish kind of a, an approach. Um, but uh, I talk about my spiritual journey, about how I got to where I am today. And um, so that's called Questions Are the Answer. Another one is my Sophia book. Um, I, I, um, that's one of my most important 
pieces. Um, it's a bunch of drawings of uh, Sophia, a woman um, who escapes captivity and is in the wilderness searching for her own liberation. And so there's like 59 drawings and each one has a meditation on the progress of achieving personal freedom, which I'm very, I'm very proud of that book. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, I have another book I'm, I'm thinking about doing. I even wrote a book on money. <laughs> oh, really? And I have another book that I'm, I'm planning on, on doing on, on more to do with deconstruction mm. and theology. So that's going to sure, be hard. I'm sure that this, uh, this last year, of, of the pandemic has had no shortage of inspirations for you of ideas of things to um to draw or ideas to communicate or probably book ideas and all sorts of things I, yeah. i've seen um some of your uh cartoons that have touched on things happening sort of politically like the black lives matter movement you've got a great illustration of the the sheep there where one one black sheep is holding a sign that says black sheep matter and his yeah. sign is broken and there's this like stampede of, of white sheep all around him, trampling him, trampling his sign. And they're all holding signs that say all sheep matter. Yeah. And it's so powerful, David, because it's like there's this debate going on about this um, social justice movement. Right. And people falling on on opposite sides of this dividing line where it seems to become this polarizing uh, issue. And then right. in one in one picture, you so powerfully illustrate why the BLM movement uh, yeah. is, matters so much. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that cartoon. Um, uh, but boy, does it ever upset a lot of people? I'm and, sure. Um, yeah. So I've I've uh, I've got I've got a new spiritual gift. I call it the gift of blocking. <laughs> so when people get really, really nasty with me online and nasty with other people in, in the naked pastor community, mm -hmm. let's call it, um, I have no problem deleting and blocking um, because, you know, for me, justice and love and showing respect to other people um, and equality uh, is not up for debate. So um, I just, I just block these people. And, and uh, I, I, it, it works, you know, like, for example, on my Instagram account, I just passed 70,000 followers on there this wow. weekend. And um, it's a beautiful place. It's I enjoy it. And I enjoy providing a pretty safe space for people who are LGBTQ plus or, um, um, you know, people of color, women, uh, atheists, you know doubters agnostics you name it believers <laughs> just a real diversity of people on there and um it just has a really good vibe to it mm. so yeah it's it's interesting in in when we talk about social media how the people who are uh the the like your followers are are so much a part of creating that space as much as you are so it's about your content that oh, yeah. gathered them there but yeah. uh, you had a recent post that said, thank, thank you for making this a safe space, right? To your followers. Yeah. And, and it is, um, it's both, right? It's you, you are intentional about creating a space that's safe and content that is about making a safe space, right? About intentionally about inclusivity, but also your community, your followers are bringing that energy to that community as well. Absolutely. And that's why I'm constantly expressing gratitude um, I, I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing without people out there who are, you know, supporting me through buying my art and cartoons and, and so on, but also contributing to the community um, that's that's happening. It's it's alive and well and very vibrant and a lot of discussion. But as soon as hate rears its ugly head, um, I just cut it off. You know, it's simple as that. We're not, we're not a, a debate room on whether it's uh, biblical or whatever to be gay. Um, that's just, we're beyond that. Uh, it's no longer up for debate for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we assume it to be a valid way to be a person. And, and so we, we keep that space free for that and mm -hmm. uh, don't bother arguing because it, for me, it's useless anyway. 
And um, yeah, so uh, safe space is a tricky term. I try to avoid that as much as possible because no space is really safe. You never know what's going to happen. But um, it's as safe as we can make it. The the intention of safety is there. That's right. Our intention is to be safe. Yeah. Got it. Do you, do you ever find it, David, um, difficult to discern that distinction between uh, between hate speech or or just hatred or hate behavior and simple like just disagreement? So, right, like conflict and and hashing things out through conversation, through generative conversation, where you don't have to agree, is so valuable. Um, right. it, it literally generates new information. It generates new understanding and it helps us explore our doubts. And yes. so we don't need to all agree, but right. then that can shift into something different where, where there is a lack of just love and acceptance of other, of the other person's ideas, right. where, where hatred slips in. No. So absolutely. Like I, I think there needs to be disagreement and debate and dialogue and conflict and, and so on. I uh, am not so much into that game. Um, like, although I do, I do, I do participate. And I can tell when somebody comes on and they're just purely hating and somebody who is genuinely curious um, I've been taught my whole life that it's wrong to be gay. Like, what's going on here? I don't understand. I thought the Bible said, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I will privately message them and say, look, you know, uh, I've written this. Check this out. Check this out. Check out this author. Check out this author. If you still have any questions, um, please feel free to reach out to me. But it's okay to make a space where that is not debatable so for example um we're not going to have a sommelier come and be a guest speaker at an aa meeting it's just not appropriate to talk about your favorite zinfandel at an aa meeting um (laughs) nothing wrong with talking about the validity of um um, you know listening to a sommelier talk about their favorite zinfandel but it's not appropriate here in this spot where we're recovering alcoholics or whatever. That's such a so great it's, example. It's, it's all about Yeah, so context. it's like with my Instagram. I'm particularly um, I'm protective of my Instagram community uh, where, you know, if you have real questions, please read this. I wrote this for you, why I'm an ally. Go read that. Um, but, you know, it's not appropriate to talk about, you know, uh, I just don't feel it's scientifically, biologically truthful that you can be transgender and also blah, 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 and they go on and on and on. And meanwhile, a ton of my transgender friends are on there like, oh, here we go. This feels like church again. Right. And um, I'm, I'm out of here. No, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, uh, I want a place for my transgender friends and my gay friends and my lesbian friends and so on, queer friends, my asexual friends <laughs> to be able to chat and feel validated and encouraged so that they can go out into the world and be themselves, you know? Yeah. So that's just what, that's what uh, I do on Instagram. Now my Twitter and my Facebook uh, and everything um, is, is a little bit different where I'll okay. allow, you know, a little bit of debate, but um, even then though, if it's pure hatred, I'll, I'll delete that as well. Yeah. 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 I think that's a that's fair and that's a healthy practice and it's I'm sure that your community appreciates and and uh, can tell that that you're doing that intentionally uh, for the greater benefit of the whole group right the, of the whole community. Yeah, well, I like the word you use, fair. I mean, the dominant voice has been discrimination. Mm. Uh, you know, when they start crying, what about freedom of speech? You've got freedom of speech everywhere else in the world. It's just not right here. Sorry. Hate, hate doesn't have free expression here in this room. You've got all other 99 rooms where you can be express your hate. But in this one room, uh, we want to keep that free from hate. And that's, that is fair. Yeah. Mm, well said. Um, it really sounds like what your, uh, what your ministry is about um, is this un- just unconditional love. It's a, it's a message of unconditional love, which is, the story of Christianity at its heart, right? 
And mm-hmm. you've got a, a cartoon that I <laughs> just love that there's a couple people uh, walking along and it says, oh, look, some unconditional love. And there's these hearts on the ground, but above yeah. the hearts is this looming, it, it, they're in the shadow of this church that's been tipped up on its edge uh, and it's got a stick propping it up like like a, you know a little bunny trap that a child would make with a carrot underneath and th- there's the congregation and they're holding the string that's attached to the stick yeah like the institution of religion is just going to come down and crush those people that are coming along just looking for some acceptance and just yeah. looking for some love which is so deeply ironic and backwards and inside out that the very places that are celebrating the life of Jesus or, you know, the teachings of Buddha or whatever the the religion might be. Right. Those institutions that are meant to be about love would be the very weapon that comes down on people and and ends up wounding them and and hurting them. Yeah. That's like my, uh, that's why I like the cartoon is that that's a good example that that cartoon. Um, oh, you know, there's these beautiful red hearts underneath the trap of the church. And, uh, oh, look, there's some unconditional love. And people are like, oh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. You know, it's like, it's so funny. But at the same time, it's like, oh, my God, that's really true. And um, the same thing, uh, I posted a cartoon yesterday where I got the same reaction. People were like, I don't know where to laugh or cry. Um, and it's the one where it's a Christian bookstore. And on one shelf, there's books for husbands, and there's three of them. And on the next shelf, there's books for wives, and there's like 100 books for wives. And and it's like, people are like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. But, oh, my God, this is true. <laughs> this is, you know. So I, I love the way the cartoon um, in a – it kind of bypasses the intellect, hits your funny bone first, maybe, and then then you have to think about it. I don't know. It's it's just I, I like the the power of it. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant form of communication, and I I, I know the one you're speaking of, and I read some a part of your some of your um, description on the side, and you were talking about how. Uh, for you, this was based on like you actually saw this in real in a Christian bookstore. This wasn't just made up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, saw, I actually saw it, and I've had many friends testify to me too that they've seen it. And people who I've had friends who worked in Christian bookstores, and they know they've seen behind the curtain, and they they know what goes on, you know. And uh, it's it's real, is it? You know, very real. Yeah. So we've talked. That's not necessarily every Christian bookstore, right? But um, the people who uh, were responding to the cartoon yesterday said, you know what, this is really true. There are more books for wives than there are for husbands. And um, so there you go. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I know we're, uh, if I can keep you for a couple more minutes, we've talked about racial discrimination a little bit in your work uh, and that theme. We've talked a little bit about uh, discrimination on the basis of sexuality and sexual orientation uh, mm-hmm. and the LGBTQ plus movement, we've, uh, or community, sorry. And, but we've not really talked about feminism much. And I know that I've seen that that is a bit of a thread through, through some of your work. And this one is a great example of that. The, the, the whole self-help culture is marketed to women. Women wow. need to fix themselves. And I don't think men are even going down that aisle of the bookstore. Right. Right. But like, uh, by and large. Yeah, yeah, no, by and large, right. Um, you know, I've been asked, what are the cartoons or topics that get you the most in trouble? And and it's, I think my number one is is women. I'll be honest with you. Um, or, um, so there's women, LGBTQ+, obviously, or when I challenge, say, the Bible. Um, that Those are the three hot ones and um so uh, for example one of my most popular cartoons is women in the resurrection where mary and a couple of women are are uh, meeting with the, the 12 disciples and um one of the disciples says Thanks for reporting the resurrection. We'll take it from here. <laughs> so it's like, and, and women love, love that cartoon because it's so true. It's like, 
they witnessed the resurrection and uh, but the men took it from there right and i get so much uh so many people love it but i get so much hate over over that cartoon it's just unbelievable um and you know where uh women's places in the home and and so on um and the whole hierarchical patriarchal um concept from the bible or the people claim are from the bible or whatever uh yeah when i challenge that kind of thinking it's um it gets a lot of reaction that's for sure. sure i have yeah. no doubt <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, david it's so great to, to to meet the person behind the drawings and to hear a little bit about some of your writ written work and your books i'm definitely gonna need to start reading your blog uh, as well um and and the three books that you mentioned they all sound fantastic if we could put some Thanks. some links to some of your work and uh, in the in the show notes i'll definitely do that i'm sure people can find your books as well as some of the other products uh, to purchase uh, on the store on, on your website yeah nakedpastor.com just nakedpastor.com and you'll find everything that i do my courses my books my prints my t-shirts mugs and you know everything that i do is on nakedpastor.com yeah awesome well yeah uh, our our minister here in in basha and pinoka robin um robin king he has this term that he's sort of coined uh that, that Jesus-ing should be a verb, uh, that, that going out and, and living out the, the love of Christ is, is really about Jesusing. And you are such a prime, wonderful, beautiful example of that, that you are taking your, your natural God-given talents and gifts and your own spiritual uh, journey of, of doubting and questioning and seeking and using that as um, a gift to, sh to share with the world and that's beautiful Jesus thing. So thank you for, for doing that work and sharing it with the world. Cool. Thanks very much. It's great to meet you and, and thanks for your time. Today. Yeah, yeah, thanks. See everybody. Thanks everybody for, for checking out this episode of Six Ways from Sunday. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you uh, learned something from, from David and really encourage people to, to check out his work at nakedpastor.com. Till next time, take care and be well.